Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my guest, Eric Artell, on the line with us today. Eric, how you doing? Doing great, John. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, they, even though they can't see it, we were talking about your amazing shirt that you're wearing today. So. <laughs> it is a uh, Goonies t-shirt. It is one in a plethora of my Instagram photos, um, but thank you. Uh, shout out to Homage <laughs> in uh, Ohio. <laughs> Do you realize how many people like came out there? You know how you'll you'll be seeing like a movie star or somebody who's in the media and stuff, and then you start, you didn't even remember it, but then you realize, oh, they were like a kid actor in Goonies or yeah. Stand By Me or something like that, and you go, oh, that's that's where they came from, and so I don't know why I just thought about that, but that movie, Goonies is one of those movies, right, where where certain stars came out of that, and you totally had forgotten that they were in that movie but yeah i mean the, the greatest marvel villain of all time thanos like shout out big brother you know <laughs> there we go exactly there we go uh yeah it's it's uh it's an awesome it was an awesome launching point for many a 80s stars into what's been a bunch of really solid rock star careers for sure um yeah, yeah. my my anyway thank you for yeah. having me <laughs> my wonderful t-shirt aside how about you uh introduce yourself to the listeners uh, yeah, my name is Eric Artel. Just love being here right now. I love this moment in time right now that we are talking. I am a. I'm. I've been an actor in Los Angeles for about 20 years, and I am a also a content creator. Some people might call it an influencer. I have over four million followers on TikTok, which is probably kind of crazy and and wild. Um, but I also do a variety of other things as well. I. I work with a lot of other creators in uh, in creator development with a lot of other creators and have other pastimes, hobbies, and passions. The the primary one of which is being a dad to my kids. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, family is very, very important to me. And um, that's a little bit of, a little bit about myself. I love improv. I've been teaching improv for, for decades and love doing that, do that online also. And, um, yeah, to have a lot of a lot of other passions in life that we'll probably get into. Yeah, so. and hopefully anyone who's listening have the same passions. And please come say hello on whatever whatever social media app you desire in your life that has become a horrible time suck in your life. <laughs> other than podcasting, that's not a time suck. But other social media apps are a horrible time sucks. But please come and in that time suck, come send me a message and say hello from I, this podcast. I, I got to be honest. So. I uh, did, gave you all the follows this morning um, when I was doing like my background on who you are and what you've done, and I was flabbergasted that you had so many TikTok fo uh, followers because I am unfortunately a very, very recent uh, TikTok addict, and I'm unabashed on how much I am obsessed with it, and geez, I spent a lot of time on that app. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, when people create social media apps, they're smart. Mm. They are very smart. And I think a lot of times we as normal humans who are living on this spinning globe don't think about it very often about how smart these people are who create these apps because they create these applications and they optimize it to try to keep you on them. And we and they are effective. Mm -hmm. And we go down rabbit holes and... And we feel, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up because we're like, oh, I can't believe I spent all this time on there. I'm terrible. You know, <laughs> we tend to, we tend to, to insult ourselves, if you will, about how we 
feel badly about ourselves. Like, how could I have spent so much time on? Well, I'll tell you, there's a reason that you spent that we've spent so much time on those is because they've been designed specifically to keep you on there and to make you spend so much time. So, hopefully, that that can help mitigate a little bit of self-loathing that sometimes people <laughs> yeah yeah for spending so much time on something you know because <laughs> listen that's like they're designed for that so it's like people who are like addicted to diet coke right it's like ah oh, di- well you know what that stuff's <laughs> made for you to get to yeah. be addicted 31 to grams it. of sugar will do that to a person <laughs> yeah. for sure is it really 30 no i totally grams. made that up regular coke oh, yeah. well, wait a minute. Like it's, a diet coke. it's not it's not sugar it's fake sugar <laughs> yeah, right. um but uh anyway so that but i love it that you that you've that you are a new addict to it. And I think we all go through our like times of addiction in different social media apps. Uh, mine over the last few months was Clubhouse. Mm, me too. Where, and I think, you know, that's, that, that's the way it is with a lot of people. And you find a new app and it's like you just have to... <laughs> It's almost like you have to get it out of your system. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I have an addictive personality. If I I don't play video, I don't know if you play many video games, John. Do you, a little do you play bit. video games? I, I am a proud so, owner of a PS5. I, I don't use it nearly enough. Oh, yeah. See, that's people are gonna that, hate I, me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare get one because because I would want to play it all the time. Because I just, if I get, I get a new game, if there's a new game, and I, I have this personality where I just want to dive into it and do it, do it, do it. And so, I don't know where this was going, but this is going about, so the, your, your, My your addiction. addiction. Yeah, so. Yes, your new addiction. I was, so I was browsing to- your, yeah, I was browsing your profile, and I was like, wow, holy shit, this guy's, like, TikTok famous. So, I would like you to kind of talk me through your career, right? You've been out in LA for 20 years. You started off as an actor. Yeah. You're now a content creator on a wildly popular social media app. Kind of talk me through your journey and kind of how you got to where you are currently. Definitely, definitely. Well, when I came out to LA, um, I I was pursuing acting and uh, pretty quickly, actually, and so grateful for it, but pretty quickly got into a position where I became a full-time actor, where it was, uh, my life was auditions, lots of no's, lots of rejection, and every once in a while, an acceptance and getting jobs as an actor. And it, and it was wonderful it's a crazy adventure and that still continues to this day i'm still auditioning and and still getting lots of lots of rejection and and some acceptance but i had been doing that for a long long time and at a certain point in time um and i i haven't really told the story to very many people but uh, i'll tell it for this podcast i was a guest star on an nbc show called boomtown it was a short-lived show on NBC, starring Mark Wahlberg, no, Donnie Wahlberg, mm-hmm. not Mark Wahlberg, starring Donnie Wahlberg and some other people. Uh, interesting show. It was, it was about LA. That's that's why it was called Boomtown because it was about uh, Los Angeles. So it was almost like a precursor to a lot of these CSI type shows. It wasn't a, a CSI type show, but you know how you like up CSI Miami, CSI True. whatever. So it was set in Los Angeles, and um, it was basically it was a cop show, but basically detective show. But I, I was a guest star on that with, with another person who has become sort of a lifelong friend of mine. Actor, very, very, he's become a very successful actor. But also he's now become a very successful producer and director. And at some point in our, while we were in our acting careers, we were having a talk and he was like, Eric, you know, um, 
where where success really lies in this industry is if you start doing stuff for yourself, basically. That was kind of how the gist of our conversation, not to get too too much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped turn on a little bit of a light bulb for myself because as an actor, you are completely dependent on someone else giving you the green light to do something. I mean, you're auditioning and that you really have become a career auditioner. And, uh, and then hopefully somebody will hire you for a job. So with that said, sort of as a backdrop, um, I had some, I had some friends who were doing, were uh, starting up this network an online network. And I thought, I want to make a show. And so I brainstormed some ideas about a show, approached some people to, to help out with the show and pitched it to these people and, uh, and they accepted it. And so I wound up doing a daily internet show. Uh, and it was at the time where these types of shows weren't necessarily going on very much. And so it was a really amazing experience. So I was doing this daily show. It was looking at what was trending on Twitter. And, uh, and we were putting it out also on YouTube. And then we had this other idea for doing a parody interview show with viners vine was this people who listen to this maybe they don't even know don't even remember what vine was vine was essentially TikTok. you could call it the precursor to tiktok right the precursor to musically right and musically then was bought by tiktok but it was six second short form videos and had a lot of comedy creators on it and so i did this parody interview show interviewing kind of like what inside the actor studio was but we parodied inside the actor studio with these viners and the this created a relationship with all of these viners and with a company that represented these viners. And that's a company that I now work with helping develop other creators. So there's all these little things that kind of connected, but that turned into working with this company who represented these viners and then musically started coming about. Now I was doing vine a little bit. I never, I I tried doing a little bit, but it was more, I was doing the show with these viners, but musically was out and Musical.ly really was just a lip-syncing app. <laughs> yeah. It was called Musical.ly. Like you lip-synced to music, basically. And then they started putting some comedy sounds and you lip-sync. But it was a lip-syncing app at the time. And I met them when they had six employees in North America. And so I got to know them. And I wanted to bring original, I wanted to do original comedy content on Musical.ly similar to what Viners were doing on Vine. Mm-hmm. But nobody was, not very many people were doing this for Musical.ly, but I, I didn't want to be lip syncing. Like that was not my cup of tea, much like what people now say, I don't want to be dancing on TikTok. <laughs> to be on TikTok, you have to dance. No, you don't like that. You do not. I, mean, I could scroll. I can probably scroll for a while and not find a dancing video. It just depends on what you like and what you engage with and stuff like that. So you do not need to dance on TikTok. Well, at the time it was like, I don't want to lip sync for Musical.ly. And so I want to create some original content. So I started creating some original content and uh, and that was sort of my path on into social media, if you will. Um, that started to be received really well. Musical.ly really liked it. They were helping support it. And then of course, TikTok came and bought Musical.ly and then TikTok really wanted to expand. So they were supporting that kind of content more. And so uh, then I started doing that content and looking at what content was doing well and can I do my own version of that kind of content and really just trying to tap into that sort of stuff. And 
and now all of a sudden I have 4 million followers and it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, uh, but it's a grind and it's still a grind that you have to, you have to be on. And, and that has led also to some success on some other social media apps, but that's kind of how it all came about. I still am certainly on the acting side. I'm still auditioning. I I'm the host of a, uh, of a new show by, from America's funniest videos, AFV. Um, it's on Pluto TV. It's called prank Academy. So I'm the host and I get to do a lot of fun sketch comedy characters for that. So if anyone wants to go to Pluto TV and go check it out on the, on the AFV TV channel on Pluto TV, uh, it's called prank Academy. So I'm still, still doing that as well. Uh, but now I have this other aspect of my life of being a content creator and, and trying to do content. I've got some other content series that I'm about to start doing. And so it's, Fun. That's pretty. So awesome. that's kind of how it all yeah. came about. John. I know there's a long story, but hey, this is a podcast. No, that's a great story. Stories. So here, here's my question. You mentioned like the addiction to social media because I'm w- by far and away one of the most you know utilized things on my day is my social media apps. But as a person who's accumulated like a mass following on one of these apps, do you find that it's difficult for you to like ever unplug and ignore it because you have to like kind of maintain this audience and maintain this persona that you've got four million people following you for? Yes, yes, and you feel badly doing it, um, and so it it's it's really interesting. I didn't understand what it was like, uh, just the the feeling of responsibility almost of having a social media following of that nature. So whether it's you know whether you're on Facebook or you're on Pinterest or your LinkedIn or your TikTok or your Instagram or your YouTube or Twitch, anybody on these platforms that has a very large following, a significantly sized following, a pressure, there is a pressure that happens and it's, and you feel, you feel bad about unplugging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also interesting just from sort of a personal standpoint of there's a fear too that if you do unplug for too long, maybe it's going like, to go about. away. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you get forgotten about. Exactly. And you certainly see that in, in entertainment where sometimes somebody will do something and they'll get slammed for it because they'll say they're just doing this to try to stay relevant, right? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's one of those buzzwords. And I know certain influencers or content creators and maybe they've, you know, they've stopped sort of innovating or they've stopped creating content and then they'll just do something and that will be the criticism is, oh, this person is just doing this controversial thing just to be relevant, just to get their name back into the, whether it's good or bad publicity, like no, you know, no publicity is, what is it? No publicity is bad publicity or no bad publicity. All publicity. There's is no good. such thing. Yeah, right. There's no such thing. Yeah, yeah, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right, or whatever it is. And and in the social media world, that is true. There, I know we live in this cancel culture, that there is this you know burgeoning cancel culture, but interestingly, on social media, a lot of creators, unless it's been something true, like unless it's been something truly legal. Yeah, like an illegal, I guess I should yeah. say, right? Like, yes, exactly. This has been something that's like truly illegal. Um, they, they'll do something that's very controversial and it does almost nothing but boost them, yeah. boost them which is sad to say. It right? sure I, is. I, and there are certainly examples I can think of and I don't, it's not, I don't necessarily want to talk. I don't, you know, we don't necessarily want to 
throw those out there. But um, but just just this week, another someone somebody who I consider a friend of mine has gotten back into the media again, and people are like, well, they're just they're just trying to stay relevant. They're doing this thing. It's kind of ridiculous or it's kind of stupid. They're just trying to stay relevant. And I think I think that then goes to the point that you're making, John, about about you know is it hard to unplug and what does that do to someone mentally when they unplug and i think sometimes that that's what happens to people when they do have this large following is if they do sort of unplug but then they feel like they need to get back into it and they may decide to do something to try to get back into it um it's an interesting double-edged sword for sure yeah it is but but back to the original question it, it's hard it is hard and I'll, I'll i will feel guilty and i'll think ah i need to i need to try to post i've Lately, I've been so busy with a lot of other things that it's been really hard to just keep up to keep up with it. Um, and it can become a full time job. It's it certainly can be a full time job. I'm I'm yeah. involved in I'm doing like a charity auction, um, doing this charity auction that we're trying to plan for uh, for us in real time. That's going to be a couple of weeks, but um, that in and of itself is taking up time, which I wish I were. I, I wish I could juggle all these, all these, yeah, it's tough, all these balls for sure. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so but many, many moons ago and, you know, six, seven years ago, I went viral on the internet for an article I wrote called why chivalry is dead from a man's perspective. And I've often spoken with people about how having something go viral is both a blessing and a curse. Um, so as a person who has a pretty significant social media following, do you agree with that sentiment? And then do you ever feel this pressure um, to replicate the success of a certain video, a certain skit, a certain post, etc.? Yes. Yes. I think I may have actually read that article, John. <laughs> oh God, it was terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> reading it back in hindsight, <laughs> not a great look, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've grown as as both a human being and a writer in in seven years. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, although the topic of chivalry is a really interesting topic, uh, we don't have to talk about it though. But um, I okay. So yes, uh, the okay. I was just thinking about chivalry now. <laughs> That's okay. Do, so the, do you find it as like a, a there's an immense amount of pressure to kind of replicate past yes, success? Yes, yes, certainly. And the tough part too about that is when you talk about social media content, you you get rewarded for a certain kind of content, and the the algorithms of that application will reward you for a certain kind of content, and so you kind of have to lean into it. If you want to keep, go you know, if you want to sort of ride that wave, so just so for, as a personal experience, I, I <laughs> one of my one of my first like truly viral TikToks, like uber viral TikToks, happened because I can't even remember John how I got this idea. I know a lot of people will ask me how are do. How do you find success? What should someone do to create content to find success? And one of the things I often like to tell people is look at a piece of content that's popular and see if you can do something similarly, but just as your own. Mm -hmm. Personalize it to yourself. Think about what the entertainment industry does. It's exactly what the entertainment industry does. There's a cop drama show 
okay, well, every network's going to make a cop drama show. Yep. There's a medical drama show. Every network is going to make their own <laughs> medical drama show. I mean, yep. think about what they do. Think about like when movies will come out and all of a sudden you'll see three or four movies. But I remember one time when like volcano disaster movies, yeah. came out, like three or four volcano disaster movies came out. Dante's they, Peak, Volcano. Exactly. Inferno. Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the entertainment industry does that. There's a reason. It's because everybody feels like they can do something their own style and people will consume it and look at YouTube trends. That's what trends are. Trends are something that's popular and everybody does their own thing on it. So, so um, that's what I would, that's what, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice to people. And so I remember I came up with this idea about doing a TikTok where, and I'm sorry to burst anybody's bubble if they actually thought it was real, but uh, <laughs> where I took a phone, I took an iPhone and, um, and I wrote a note on the iPhone and I said, uh, write your deepest secret or something like that. And then I showed myself putting the iPhone on the, on the sidewalk and then walking away from it as if I were leaving the iPhone on a sidewalk waiting and hoping somebody, oh, and I took also took the sleep off. So it would never sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so thinking like somebody hopefully comes along and to the sidewalk and picks it up and puts in their TV. Side. Well, first of all, like no one's going to leave their iPhone on the side. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but boy, a lot of people, a lot of people actually thought I had actually done that. And I apologize in advance. I, it was just sort of comedic content to me because I wanted to then follow it up with something. But that thing went crazy viral. We're talking millions of views in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So then I had to do a follow-up to show like what happened to that iPhone, which, and guys, I didn't really leave my iPhone on the thing. I showed it to my nieces who were tweens and they, the first thing they asked was, so what happened to the iPhone? I'm like, you guys, I didn't actually leave my <laughs> iPhone on the sidewalk. Like <laughs> I'm not, I don't have that money to throw around. Um, <laughs> But that I wound up doing about five or six installments of that kind of video of leaving something on the sidewalk. And to this idea of like the pressure of replicating something successful, I started feeling that pressure of like replicating this success. Like this obviously was a very, it touched a nerve. People really enjoyed it. They liked it. They shared it. And then also the follow-up videos um, that, you know, what happened in 24 hours when I left. So I wound up leaving a, a I wound up leaving a laptop on the sidewalk. <laughs> I left a box of money. I left uh, a car. I left, I borrowed somebody's Corvette and taped their keys to the outside window <laughs> of the Corvette and said, Hey, take us, take a joy ride and then come back and share photos of it, whatever. So I did this whole series of just like, and I thought like, what could you leave? That's even more and more ridiculous on a sidewalk. Yeah. And, um, but there certainly was that pressure. Like there became this pressure of, I need to replicate the success. And then I ran out of ideas mm -hmm. for it. And I thought, Oh no, I don't know if I'm going to find anything successful again. Yeah. I have to find another idea that I can lean into. And I've since found, like I've since done other series of videos of types of things, but there is, it, and it's this cycle. You find something that, that is, that can be really popular. You lean into it, but then at some point you have to lean out of it mm -hmm. because. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because like I, uh, I had a, a really hard time and probably almost, to this day, I find it impossible to write something that I feel like I can put out anymore because it's like, it's crippled me in that, well, who the fuck, yep. number one, who am I to think that I can say something that is of 
worth or you know reason for somebody to consume. And number two, it's never going to touch the thing that I've already done. So it's like, what's really even the point? So I've like totally, you know, left myself, you know, from even having the confidence to be able to put uh, that kind of work out in uh, in the world anymore. And it's it's sort of tough. It's, you know, it's something that I'd love to do and I, and I just can't do it anymore. And it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that kind of premise of, you know, not being able to live up to your own successes. Yeah. And I love what you said that, that it's crippling mm. because it does, it becomes crippling and you, you're afraid to put anything else out also because you start to put your self-worth in the success of, of a post. Yeah. And that is the huge danger. Um, is if you start putting your own self-worth and you start measuring it by the amount of likes or shares or comments that a social media post gets, that is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that, that also is part of that, part of what is crippling so but yes to your point of of you know a can i put something else out there that will even live up to the expectations or the success of that what, what this achieved and it's like you know what you have to be able to step back and go who cares yeah i'm still gonna put something up and it's still gonna affect people positively in a positive manner maybe it's not gonna affect 10 million people but maybe it'll affect 500 people mm -hmm. and maybe it'll affect 500 people better more effectively than the 10 million people who were affected by the thing before. But it's so hard to keep that in mind. I have um, a, a, a close friend of mine is uh, who wrote, well, it, the author of Ender's Game, Orson Scott Card, who wrote Ender's Game, which is a phenomenally successful book. And he, Orson Scott Card is a phenomenally successful science fiction author. I, I would dare say one of the most successful science fiction authors to, uh, of yeah, this generation. For sure. But Ender's Game was his, his magnum his opus. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And it was his. It was essentially his first book. Wow. So think about like, think about. I've never really talked to him intimately about this, but I'm sure he would have a lot of thoughts also on this thought, because he's written a lot of amazing stuff. And and I would dare say he's written a lot of stuff that's better than Ender's Game. Than Ender's sure. Game because he was a young writer at the time. He was like twenty years old basically when he wrote Ender's Game. But and he has he has matured and he has written a lot of stuff that is so deep, so incredible, so entertaining. Um, and yet, I am sure there are sometimes he he feels I'm, he's still chasing that, chasing that. And and he's written a, a number of books within the ender's game universe i've read a lot of them yeah and and you know and to that point of like you've got something successful keep it going if it's can continue to get successful and there was just an announcement actually i don't know if you saw that but there's just an announcement that the so he and another dear friend of mine aaron johnston aaron johnston is now co-writes the ender's universe game books with Ender with orson sock card they wrote the formic wars series which are the precursors to the ender's game mm -hmm. and uh, a production company, they just made an announcement that they are, somebody has sort of gotten the development rights to do a series, a TV series about uh, that's based on the Formic Wars and Leonardo DiCaprio is a part of this group that's that's possibly putting it in development. And now we know Hollywood, who knows what's going to happen. Sure. That's but, awesome. You know, is, Leonardo, 
he is Leonardo DiCaprio going to be starring in an Ender's Game universe, <laughs> Ender's Universe series, the Formigore? That'd be amazing. Who knows? Sure. But uh, the, the short answer is no. But yeah. <laughs> sort of yes, yeah, sort of no. But but it's still this. It's this concept. And so I, I'm I'm glad you brought it up because you're right. It become it can become crippling mm-hmm. because a are you trying to, you're trying to live up to the six the 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 optics of success of this prior thing that you did. Mm-hmm. And then B, you start feeling like you were saying, like, who am I? Who am I to write something? Or even for me, who am I to post something that somebody's gonna like? Like, who am I? Yeah. Well, well, it's it's you know we're we're people. Yeah. It's it's the most common theme that I've struck upon on uh, my series that, I, you know, on this podcast is this concept of imposter syndrome. And I've had con- conversations with people who are, you know, like you, giant content creators, wildly successful photographers shooting covers of Sports Illustrated magazine and actors and really just like, you know, chefs who have worked at these, you know, Michelin star restaurants. And every single person that I've spoken with has struggled with this concept of imposter syndrome. Who am I to think I could do this thing that, you know, I am doing, but like I still had this self-doubt innately inside of myself that creeps up every now and then that says, well, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to do it today, right? And it's just this really, really interesting thing that I think, unfortunately, is a byproduct of social media. Because like you said, you know, if you start looking at things like how many likes I get on a post, how many downloads on my podcast, it becomes this crippling anxious feeling that I am not supposed to be doing this. I didn't get enough likes. I didn't get enough downloads. I need to stop. And it's tough. It is a uh, a very unfortunate self-fulfilling prophecy. If you lean into that, that can halt any sort of, uh, you know, passion you have for doing things that you rely on other people to like. It's, t- it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And really, ultimately, the only time that that would be true, if you're saying, you know what, yeah, you need to stop. is if like let's say for on the social media side you were to post uh you know 10 things and literally zero likes (laughs) zero likes and zero cup and then i guess okay then maybe okay yeah maybe maybe i should stop but even then (laughs) it's ridiculous to think okay no you shouldn't stop i i what's also i think what also plays into it in this imposter syndrome or into this idea is I've I've known a lot of actors. I know a lot of actors. I've a lot of friends who are actors. I've worked with a lot of actors and uh, actors actresses, and some who are extremely successful, um, who are household names. And it's it sounds trite, John. Right? It sounds kind of trite, but they are just normal people, mm-hmm. and they have all the same foibles weaknesses and strengths that we all that we all have and i'm sure that also plays into it because when you have this kind of success and you can and you think well who am i to like do i even deserve this these accolades because i and i think part of it also john is like is have i what really have i accomplished mm. too i think that you I, I feel like and you can tell me because because i have this conversation with a lot of people when it comes to imposter syndrome and sorry to be on another topic which you say we talk about you talk about all the time on your podcast no no it's important do we find do we see 
what we classically call imposter syndrome in professions like accountants <laughs> or right or accountants or um things where where people are making where you could you can connect the dots perfectly here is a heart surgeon world-renowned heart surgeon and they saved these people's lives right do they feel the same type of imposter syndrome if they're like a world-renowned type or or does it base more on people who are an actor creatives yeah. Uh, yeah or or a creator who basically they can step back and say okay i'm renowned for this quote unquote but what really good am i doing like mm -hmm. what what really have i done yeah i think when and, you look at something like a heart surgeon in comparison to an actor or an artist or a painter or a photographer um because what you do is inherently non-measurable i mean lives saved sure is measurable but because it's not dictated on the amount of likes that you get or dollars that are paid to you at the box office etc i would imagine they have a significantly less uh, likelihood of encountering imposter syndrome. I, I'm sure they, on an everyday basis, struggle with things like confidence um, and, you know, maybe even being inspired by what they do. Because at the end of the day, whether you are, you know, Mark Wahlberg or John Picciuto, you know, everything you do is still a job. Like, you're going to love the thing you do some days. You're going to hate the thing you do some days. And at the end of the day, it's still work, right? You have to work to live. And even though you're getting paid $30 million for a, uh, you know, a movie, it's still work. Um, but in regards to imposter syndrome, I would imagine it, it's limited to people in creative industries that rely on other people's blessings to like really say whether it's good or not that deal with it. And it's, namely going to fall onto people who have experienced success before because if you're a struggling artist or actor or photographer or whatever it might be you don't have to necessarily worry about imposter syndrome because you haven't had the success that you have to live up to before and i think it takes something to go viral or some level of success for you to feel like i can't do that again um, which yeah. is something that I struggle with. And I think yeah. the thing that I've been able to avoid and, and, you know, I'm 35 and it's something that I've really only come into in the last five years, you know, through a pandemic and all this crazy shit that's been happening is that like people are people and I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And I'm going to make myself happy doing the things that I want to do and be happy by doing. And I think that is, you know, unfortunately a huge component of time on this earth. And you only gain that with life experiences. Yeah, it's true. I I'm reminded of an experience that I had um, just thinking about what you're doing and what the worth is. What is the value of what you're doing? You know, as opposed to like a an open heart surgeon or something where you can easily connect those dots. I uh, I I remember I was studying. I I have a degree in economics. And oh, um, me too. But oh, awesome! Well, there we go. World. <laughs> but but <laughs> at the time, at the time, I was not going to be pursuing acting. But I decided to. I still I loved acting. I grew up love. I loved doing theater. Absolutely loved it. And uh, but then I kind of put it away for a while because I thought this is not a responsible thing to pursue in life and so forth. And but then while I was while I was in college and I was studying and economics and possibly going into into you know investment banking or possibly consulting, I started doing some local theater. 
and that was sort of the downfall for for my future because that that like brought me back in. It reeled me back in, right? <laughs> uh, like the Godfather. And I had this experience where I was doing. It was a very local. It was a local, as local of a theater as you could get in like this double wide trailer, which had been converted into a, a little theater in the round that sat maybe thirty people max. And we were doing original productions written by the old couple that was running it. And they were like a little original musicals and stuff. And I was doing this play called The Cruise of Love. And I can still even remember the chorus of the main song, The Cruise of Love. And I played just this sort of dorky, silly, um, it was almost like the love boat, but for a family friendly love boat, if you will. And I was playing like this sort of the dorky guy who worked on the cruise of love. Mm -hmm. And I, since the theater was so small, there was the, there was this group of, of college aged people, kids, young adults who were sitting right there. Their feet are like on the stage, the floor. And they were, when I, I would come out and do my stuff and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I would come out, <laughs> And I would do my stuff during the during the play, and they were just cracking up. They were laughing so hard, and it was so exhilarating for one thing. But then at the end of the show, it's such a small type of intimate experience that you know you can't help but when people are leaving, you're saying you're seeing them, and they're just laughing and they thanked me, and that is where the value comes in this type of entertainment sure. pursuit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of day they had had that day. And I've thought about this experience a number of times because I, I don't know what kind of day they had that day. Maybe they had a bad day. And I was able to bring laughter or a positive emotion into their life that night. And they've probably forgotten about it. Maybe they haven't, but they probably have. They've probably forgotten about that experience. I haven't though, mm -hmm. um, because I was able to positively affect their life that night. And uh, I feel like on content creation that is what you're able to do is positively affect now whether it's positively affected for laughter or for feeling good or for empathy and you can cry with someone whatever it might be you can positively affect people's lives even in small little micro bursts mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i try to hang my hat on when it comes to this, as we're talking about imposter syndrome, because I think it, it does, some of it is rooted in this idea of like, well, you know, eh, what good am I even doing people? And, 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 and I have all these followers and what, what really am I accomplishing? And, and who am I to be able to say that I should be able to accomplish this? You know, that I think it all kind of plays into that. And that's one of the things that I try to keep in mind is this idea of, of positively affecting people. And so then what also helps with that is then if something doesn't go viral, well, at least it's some people are seeing it and yeah. they're still yeah. going to like it and you can positively affect some people. And that's where you're doing some good on the, in the world. Man, I, I really love that answer. That's, that's like a tremendous perspective on, you know, what can be a very like, you know, tough thing because it's, it's not easy. You know, what you do trying to bring joy and happiness to people is is the best possible thing that you can do and it's obviously you can fail and you could be successful at it but i think that's um man that was a really tremendous answer i love that um do you find that there is an addiction inside of you to make people laugh um i'm not gonna say make people happy but like do you feel like there's like you have like for me i could tell you like 
when I'm with my parents, like I'm addicted to making my mom laugh. And like, that's just a thing I need to do. So like as a content creator, as a generally funny person, you know, improv comedy background, uh, do you think you have an addiction to it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think most people have that addiction. Yeah. Whether they try to scratch it or not. I think if people were to really answer that truthfully, I think a lot of people would say that they love making people laugh and they always want to make people laugh. Hmm. Don't you think? Absolutely. Don't you think so? 100%. I, I, yeah. Like class clown and that like that's, and I was not voted class clown by the way, <laughs> but, but that is, that's like the, the badge of honor usually yeah. for, for people. But maybe, maybe I'm just saying that because I come from a lot of comedy background. No, no, I don't think so at all. Improv. I don't think so at all. But yeah, yeah, I think people love making other people laugh. And there's something about it, John. I don't know if you're a parent or not. I'm um, not, no. But so I have, I have three little kids and making like little kids, like little children, making your children, or even I've, I've experienced this when I was an uncle. Um, I am an uncle. Make, yeah. Making little kids laugh. It's the best. It's just, it's so addictive. <laughs> yeah. It's so addictive. I get the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, I think I have that addiction. And I will tell you this too, John, th there are different kinds of laughter too. And there are different kinds of addiction. So I've, I've, um, <clears throat> I've performed so much improv in my life and people laughing and applauding when performing improv is a different kind of rush hmm. or feeling that you get as opposed to people laughing when you do stand up. Mm -hmm. It's just different. It's really hard to explain, but it's it's different. So there's also the, these different nuances of of making people laugh. Like it's different being one-on-one -on -one with someone and just kind of doing something back and forth and you're both laughing as opposed to being in a little group of of people and you and you it's like the George Costanza I'm out, you know, I yeah. I I made the whole room laugh and I'm out. Yeah. You know that like it's there are different nuances and feelings of the addiction too. Uh so yeah, I think I I would say if if we want to put it in simple terms, yeah, I think I think I probably do have that addiction yeah. as well. I'm with you on that. That that's an easy one for me to agree with for sure. Um it, yeah. being that you you do like, you know, not counting the the company that you work with, you know, helping creators create, etc. being that like, you know, a portion of your quote-unquote job is creating content for people to consume. How do you deal with like, you know, you you put something out there, it's not that well received, you don't get enough likes, you don't get enough views whatever. Like does that ding your confidence? Is that something that like kind of plays into the next piece of content you're preparing you're like oh well that one was kind of like this one it's not as funny it's you know what you know how does that kind of affect your ability to create moving forward tremendously affects it it, it does i do i hate to say it it shouldn't i feel like it shouldn't but it does and i if people are listening in on on this and i i, I think there are a lot of people who've experienced that to a certain degree so if if anyone's posting stuff on <clears throat> on social media and it's like this okay this one post gets got 100 likes and then i'm doing this and oh no this thing got tw 10 likes oh no you know um yeah it does i've i've certainly done things and it's just put a stop to what i was doing because it just wasn't getting the engagement and it and even it was it was stuff that i loved to do but 
ultimately, I mean, unfortunately, I get into a position too where it's like, I need to maintain at least some level of engagement in order for in order for like the growth that I need to achieve. And if, if I'm putting something out there that even if I love it, it's not receiving the same kind of engagement. Um, it does affect me. It mm -hmm. definitely affects me. And I, and I, I will, sometimes I just, I have to, I have to stop putting it out there. Even if I, even if I love it and I hate it, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It like I've, I've done certain types of content. Um, or, or it's really affected me in wanting in, in thinking, okay, I have to change this up somehow. So I was, I was doing something. I've been a voiceover actor for a long time. Mm -hmm. Love doing voiceover, love doing voices, <clears throat> whether, I mean, I can do some impressions, but I just love doing character voices. I love doing a lot of character voices and playing around with accents and, and stuff of that nature. And I started doing a challenge where I was going to try to do a hundred voices in a hundred days. And it was a part of some, somebody else who was doing this big challenge for a, uh, a, there's a guy who was running a hundred marathons in a hundred days, the iron cowboy, his name was, mm, yeah, so his uh, name is. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, I tapped into that and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a hundred voices in a hundred days. And I started like pl planning out all the voices that I was going to do. And I was like, okay, I, like, I think I might be able to get to hundred. Then I started putting out the videos and they, did phenomenally terribly. He <laughs> did so badly. Bait and switch on that one. Phenomenally yeah. terribly. <laughs> but, uh, to the point where it's like almost nobody wanted to even watch watch it. And I don't know. I couldn't figure out. Was it the format that I was doing? Was it? I mean, I know a lot of things about short form video, so I started trying to tweak. You know, was it not beginning correctly? Was it just not? And I was having fun doing them. Mm -hmm. But I could not figure out how to make them more engaging and to get the level. And so I stopped. Wow. How many did and you do? And then a lot of other... What's that? How many did you do? Many, oh, uh, I think I did like... <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I think I did like 13. Oh. <laughs> I think I did like 13. But that was enough of a, of a sample size to realize that the way I was doing them, it just wasn't working. It just wasn't working on a social media app. And so even though I was having fun doing them, I, and I just didn't have the time and a lot of other stuff has come up and I didn't have the time to really go back to the drawing board. And I want to, I want to go back to the drawing board because voiceover is a big part of my life. I've, I've voiced over stuff, video games and commercials and, and animation. I'm like, I've done a lot of voiceover and I love doing voiceover. And it's also something that I would love to put out there in the world more because like part of it was like, I, this is good for me career-wise. I want to put out in the world. So I'm going to give you my tip. You need yeah. to team up with an illustrator and do a short-form series, 100 characters in 100 days. He draws them, you voice them, boom. There you go. You're Beautiful. welcome. <laughs> Beautiful. Who's who is listening right now? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I have one. Illustrator. I have one illustrator friend, but he just joined the Navy, so I don't know how much he's drawing these days. Um, so I might not be the right guy. <laughs> but they, talk they got me, time on the ship. Talk, talk me. They? Talk me through that failure, right? Because like you, you had this great concept of something that you were super passionate about. It fucking tanked. Pardon my French. I curse a lot. I'm Italian, and 
how does what does that do to your confidence? Like because you 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 put a lot of effort and a lot of thought into something and you had planned three plus months of doing it and it flopped. What does that do to you as a creator? What does that do to your confidence? Uh, it it really does. It really affects it. It really affects it. And I feel like it shouldn't, but it does. And so I think as as it was not doing well, I I started trying to just tweak it. I started t- trying to tweak it. What can I put up front? What can I? And, and the problem also with that is every time it also is a different voice. And so you could either look at it and go, well, maybe people didn't enjoy that voice or maybe people didn't. It was hard to be able to also like A-B test it. You sure. Could, maybe, that's what, maybe that's what I should have done, John, is I should have taken the exact same video and created like three different versions of it, edited three, edited three different versions of it and put them all out. But then that becomes you know t- hard to do, um, and so I, I, I just trying to do that and ultimately thinking, unfortunately thinking, this is just I'm spending too much time on this. It's not it's not doing well enough to justify spending more being time. able. Yeah, yeah, spending more time. Like my 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 time is better served in the things that I'm doing and in my life of what I'm doing, my time is better served now focusing on either either trying a new concept or doing this other aspect of things that I'm doing in my life than putting this, um, this much time into something that, that, that is not improving my account at all, improving my, mm-hmm. oh, you know, because it, it really was, I mean, it really was, it was like crickets. It was like crickets. So who knows? And it might've also been, it might've also been something was going on in the app for that week, you know? So that also happens, but it's just, it's just hard to know what's going on. And then you have a lot of head games, mind games, um, and it affects your confidence. And uh, so obviously it's still pretty fresh, John. It's still pretty fresh, still pretty fresh. Well, I'm glad this, uh, I'm glad this therapy session could act as a way for you to hash it out right now. You know, it's hard, John. It's hard for me. It's fresh in my mind. Full fighters. Uh, that, that was for my, uh, my future, bro- my future brother-in-law, Dan. Uh, he's going to love that. <laughs> so you've you got- know, Dan, thanks for listening. <laughs> this is John. He's a good guy. Um, you but, you've got uh, your eggs. But, you got your eggs in a lot of baskets, right? You you do voiceover. Yeah, yeah. You do TikTok. You do a million things. So, what of those things, or what aspects of those things, give you confidence now to keep on keeping on? Being a dad. Oh, I love that! What that's, a great answer. And part of it is, part of it is uh, knowing that I need to provide. Hmm. So I don't know if that so much puts it as a confidence as a as much of as as a motivation. Mm. Um, but also, I, it's it's something interesting where it's like you know, I can um, my kids enjoy me, <laughs> so <laughs> I know I can still make content yeah. that people will enjoy. <laughs> sure. So there is there is a confidence. Thing there as well, but um, but I, I so so maybe the more maybe it's more about motivation. That's that is is such a strong motivation is 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 being a, a providing father for my family 
Um, but when it comes to confidence, I think part of it goes into that self-worth conversation we were having earlier mm. is that's where I find my self-worth. I'm, I'm also, I'm a person of faith. I find great self-worth in, in that of being a child of God. And, and so I, I, I have a lot of self-worth in that. And I, I find great self-worth in my relationship with my family and being a husband and being a father so that I can go through the valleys and enjoy the peaks, but also go through the valleys of what we were just talking about where this basket isn't producing the eggs that I'm, that I'm hoping that it does, but I'm not putting my self-worth in that. Mm. So I have confidence and I know I've done it before. I can do it again. Um, I've done something of quality. I know I can do more things of quality, but I'm not defined by the success of that. Mm. I'm defined by my beliefs. I'm defined by my relationships with my family. And that's where I find my self-worth. I think that plays a lot into my confidence. That's, I mean, that's a tremendous answer. I mean, that's locking down the, like the important pillars on the things that allow you to do, you know, take the chances to do the things that you're doing. That's, that's, that's an incredible perspective. Um, I applaud you that for that for sure. So you've got oh, your, thanks. your confidence and your motivation locked down, um, for a creative life. So what inspires you? Other people certainly inspire me friends friends who are uh friends who are doing things that are great that inspires me um if we talk about are you thinking more what inspires me in in what i make or what inspires me to sort of keep going or what inspires me see all of the above (laughs) (laughs) i would say when it comes to inspiration Certainly, certainly, if we're talking about kind of content, what inspires me, I think I'm trying to more and more lean into, if I find it enjoyable, that's going to be my inspiration. Like, I want to create stuff that I find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part of the impetus of doing, like, the voiceover stuff. And okay, that didn't, that didn't quite go so great, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to do better. <laughs> um, I'm going to do some other stuff. But, um, but I also find inspiration... I think in, in, in having good people in my life who are doing great things, that certainly is inspiring. Uh, I get friends when we talk about in the content creation world, people I meet, people I become friends with, and they find success by doing stuff that they want to do as opposed to doing things they feel like they have to do. Mm. Uh, I have a, I have a good, a really dear friend, uh, David Lopez. His name is, he's, he was great all Viner and stuff. And he's always kept very true to trying to just do content that he thinks is funny and just do stuff that he wants to do. I think sometimes he dabbles into other things that uh, maybe he does just because he, he knows oh, this has to be popular, but he just does like sketch comedy stuff. And that's inspiring seeing the success that he's able to fa- have and, and the, uh, h- how 
much he's enjoyed to do that. And and like I said, meeting meeting new creators who who come to the game with something new and find success in doing it. Uh, that is that definitely is inspiring because. I think that becomes inspiring for a lot of people in the world of content creation because they can look at it and go, oh, there's space for me. Like there's mm. there's space for me to be, I don't, this goes back to what we were talking about. TikTok, I have to dance. No, you don't have to dance. There's space for people. There's space out there because ultimately the best kind of content, right, is, ob- is obviously, not obviously, some of the best kind of content is relatable content. Sure. Things where people can look at it and go, I can relate to this. Either I love this or I can relate to it or it touches a passion point of mine or a pain point of mine. And there are so many different people in the world who have so many different interests and so many different loves and hates, et cetera, that there is room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just about everybody. Almost. Maybe was there <laughs> Almost everybody. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is room for everybody, but there's some things that maybe you should never, ever, ever do. But, but, uh, but if we're t- but obviously, um, that's inspiring is seeing people who rise up on, on something and receive a lot of success on something because they're doing something they're passionate about. Case in point, a buddy of mine, Spencer, he goes by Spencer X. He's a beatboxer. He grew up in New York City busking beatboxing, beatboxing on the streets. And then he found TikTok. And he now has, I think, I don't know, 40 million followers. Maybe. Shit. Wow. All he does is beatbox. So he's and living he's his dream. incredible. He's incredible. That's awesome. Right. But, but he beatboxes and does like sound effects and beatboxes. And it's just inspiring to see something like that. Now, somebody could, on the other hand, look at it and go, all he does is beatbox. I, you know, eh, and they could get bitter about it. But instead, to me, it's inspiring because I'm like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is somebody doing their passion, doing something they absolutely love. They've been doing their whole life. And now they have, they found a place for it that is magnifying them. And, and he, like, he wants to bring beatboxing to the world type thing. And it's very, it's, it's inspirational. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. So. That's awesome. That, that was such a great answer. Um, you, you've got a career that's you know sp- spanned two decades, um, and I think the I, I think it was this week. I don't know if it was the Wall Street Journal or I read some article that like the number one like job that like kids these days or college students want right now is to be like a YouTuber or a content creator. Yes. So True. while we were growing up, that wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. No. None of these social media platforms were were created yet. Um, so as a person who's had a career that spanned a bunch of different generations of media and, and content, um, how do you address like what dreams that you might have, whether it is you want to star in a movie, a TV show, you have, again, like I said, your eggs in a bunch of different baskets. How do you kind of, you know, what what is your biggest dream now for you over the course of the next, you know, phase of your career? Career-wise? Yeah. I, I Certainly there are certain things that are kind of the biggest goals, the biggest aspirations. Like one thing that I'd absolutely love to do is just to be a series regular on, an, on a cartoon. Mm. That would be 
so amazing. I would absolutely voiceover is so fun to do. I love doing it. Um, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, if we're thinking sort of career goals and aspirations, doing being a re- being a regular on another TV show is also something. There's something about that, and I, I'm coming also for obviously from a place of now wanting to provide for a family. So there's a stability in in that sort of thing mm-hmm. as well. That that plays certainly plays into it. But I've you know I've done I've done a variety of different TV shows where I've you know been the host of a show for three years, um, and it's. That is just so fun being, it's so rewarding being a regular part of an entertainment vehicle like a show. Um, so they're kind of like these different little, those kinds of little goals. I mean, doing movies is always really, really fun to do, but that, I mean, doing doing movies is, a, is sort of a one-off, right? Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you're going to be playing Captain America for... <laughs> <laughs> seven know, four, times. Yeah, right. how, how, many, how many movies? Um, so... So I think it's, you know, it's interesting, John, when I got into the entertainment industry, really my, my goal, my goal was, I want to be, my goal was, I want to be able to support a family in Mm. this career. That was my goal. And, and uh, when talking with some people about that, sometimes people say, well, man, you really miss you really, you you really should have, you really should have set the bar higher because you <laughs> achieved that, and so, so maybe you should have made a different goal. Yeah. But uh, but that that has that sort of was my goal, and uh, and has kind of always been my goal, um, and so maybe it's kind of a misplaced, maybe it's a misplaced goal. I don't know, could be a misplaced goal. Maybe. Maybe I sh- maybe I should set so- a sort of more specific thing, and I guess when it comes to goal setting, you should be more specific in certain goal settings. I don't know. I might I might have to disagree with know. you, Eric, because I mean your priorities are obviously in the right place. You know, you when you put something in place that is really taking care of, you know, your family, which to me, there's, you know, family, friends, everything else that matters in life is way below that. Um, so when you consider how you've addressed your priorities and your goals, I think they're pretty in line with like what, uh, you know, a pretty uh, great human being would have. I mean, that's kind of, wow. that's at the end of the day, what else is there? You know, being able to provide for your for your family, that's, you know, number one. Unless you don't have a family, right. then it's providing for yourself. <laughs> yeah, providing for yourself. Well, I appreciate it, John. And I, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think what it has done for me is it's made me be able to experience certain things that I don't think I would have mm. otherwise. So, so case in point, if I think if I, if I had still been single and not had a family, I don't know if I would be in the position that I am in today where I am, you know, I'm on, I'm on TikTok and I have all these followers on TikTok and I've done X, Y, or Z because I may have, if my goal had been, I just want to, be in uh, major motion pictures. If that, if I had kept to that one goal, I could have survived as a single person. I, I could have survived as a single person still trying to do that and waiting tables at night and doing my workshops and going on auditions and, and just s- solely focusing on that and not taking these other avenues of possible success and 
uh, and financially possibly financial success. But because I haven't been so focused on one particular goal like that, and it's been instead this idea of <clears throat> I'm just going to try to do whatever I whatever is able to be successful in this industry. It's opened my life up to a lot of different opportunities that I I don't think I ever would have had. Hmm. Um, c- case in point, being a host of an AFV show on Pluto TV called Prank, I never would have gotten to do this particular job if I hadn't followed those streams of I'm doing a little YouTube show and then now I'm going to go do this musically thing, which became a TikTok thing, which then created followers, which then created also a relationship with this company and then created a relationship with AFV, which then I got to be a relationship with them and then they wanted to hire me for this for this show. So serendipity. Um, yeah, it's serendipity and it's following these paths that uh, that have promise and that I want to try try to follow. So that's a really roundabout way of talking about it. I feel like <laughs> I think that it's like words. No, I think that's uh <laughs> like that's nail on the head. That's uh, pretty much as, as spot on as as you could be. Um the- But I do but I do want to say sorry John, I do want to say just that, that no fault in in people who do keep one Oh, goal. sure. Like, yeah. like obviously, right? And 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 maybe if I had kept one specific goal like that in mind, different things would have opened up for different things. It's our life experience, you know, and, and then, and again, we get to this thing of, well, what ultimately defines us as self-worth? Is it what we've achieved or is it how we've gone about achieving it? And when mm. the lives we're affecting positively in the journey, right? It's that destination versus journey. And again, that's where imposter syndrome or, or dissatisfaction happens that if you have not hit this destination that you're going for, are you going to be dissatisfied with what you're doing in life? Are you going Ooh. to be, you know, as opposed to going on the journey, being a positive influence f- with others and po- hopefully influencing others and letting them influence you and enjoying that journey wherever it's leading you mm. still with keeping a goal. Yeah. And so somebody can keep that goal, but, but, don't be dissatisfied and feel like your life's a failure if you're not hitting that goal because it's that process. And what are you doing in that process? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I couldn't have said. I mean, I've I've articulated this on on many conversations I've had in the past because, um, you know, when you're growing up, you're going to high school, you you kind of like have this timeline with your entirety of your life. You know, in four years I'm going to graduate high school, in four years I'm going to graduate college, in five years when I'm 25 I'm going to have X Y Z job, making X Y Z money. At 30 I'm going to be married. So like we always have have this time construct to the things that we're trying to achieve. And it's funny because it took like my thirties and a bunch of failure for me to realize that it's not the destination. It is the journey. So much of your life can be planned out ahead of you. And then, you know, the, the, the quote, uh, you know, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans is like the number one thing that I've come to learn over the course of the last few years, because it is a journey. It is a matter of filling your time up with your friends and your family and the things that fill you up and doing the right things along the way. That is what's more important than saying, Hey, I want to be a movie star by the time I'm 25. And then what happens when you're 25 and you're not right. So, uh, yeah, I think that was a a really, really uh, great way for you to put it for sure. And just to add one, or what happens when you're 25 and you are a movie star? Oh, yeah. Mm. What and do you that's do? a whole nother conversation because it's that like, is, okay, yeah. I've done this, but what have I done? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, something really cool and great, and I've accomplished this goal, but now what? Now you what? Know, now, now what? And so if you're not focused on what, however you're influencing and positively impacting others, if that's all you're focused on, then then that becomes that now what problem. And I've, trust me, I've known, I mean, I've, I'm friends with people in various, in various industries, whether it's the influencer side or the traditional acting side who have achieved amazing things but there's that now what problem. Mm -hmm. And and again, if they're if that's what they've put their worth in, if that's if that's what they want their they've put their their life definition in is accomplishing this, then it does become that now what? And depression kicks in. Um so I uh I've found that the now what has turned into just this huge positive lately for me because I've been able to learn through life and experiences that the now what you can treat it one of two ways as this springboard to greatness or achieving more things that you want to do. Or like you said, a, you know, real negative, well, I've done everything that I've wanted to do now. What? And thankfully I've, you know, through the, the love of family and the support system of friends, I've gotten to a point where the now what is all great things, but it is for sure a, uh, a tricky, you know, pivot point in your life and, and, you know, through your, your successes for sure. Um, I like to wrap up every podcast with just sort of some like rapid fires really, you know, there's a couple easy ones, a couple like deep ones. Um, but I'm sure you're not going to have any problems with these, but my first question for you is what's your favorite book. And you're not allowed to say Ender's game because you're friends with Orson Scott card. <laughs> Oh man, not not allowed. I wasn't I wasn't friends with him before I actually read that book. Uh, oh, I mean, my favorite. This is so, so hard. That's so hard. So I, I I can't. That's too hard of a question. <laughs> um, uh, I, I will say. Uh, I mean, everything. Come on, man. How could you not let me say Ender's Game? How could you not? I that I've probably read that book the more than almost any other book that I've. Well, it's like I've a cop out. You gotta, you know. Had you not mentioned that, you know, <laughs> your friends, uh, that would have been, that would have been my, um, uh, I love books. I'm in a, like we're in a book club. The, uh, John, I know this is supposed to be fast. I know this. No, is no, it doesn't have to be fast. Speed. The questions are this speed, supposed to be not the answers. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've read so many, I, I will say my favorite genre is, is like fantasy, sci-fi fantasy. That's my favorite genre. I'm with you. Uh, probably my favorite genre is probably fantasy. And, uh, one of my favorite books one of my favorite books. I'm. I'm. I'm going to give you two right now. Um, the 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 Way of Kings. It's a uh, series by Brandon Sanderson. That's the first book. It's uh, so so incredible. And then um, also there's the the Eye of the World series by Robert Jordan. But those okay. are two series. The first books in both of those series are just like they'll they'll suck you in and you'll spend so much time reading all good I'll, I'll i'll writing those down right now i will give you a recommendation of ag yes. riddle he does mostly sci-fi not so much fantasy but i think you'll really like his his work former investment banker turned author and he's written i think two different series one's three books one's two and then a standalone novel he his writing is wonderful and i think you'd, you'd probably really enjoy it um ag awesome. riddle he, he's pretty great definitely goals to get him on the podcast he's just has such a wildly interesting you know career from you know investment banking to author to it's just wild um what's uh what's your favorite movie oh man um there's a there's <laughs> i love this movie 
first movie that came to mind is some is it's because it's a movie that a lot of people have not seen but i uh i absolutely loved it and now all of a sudden i'm totally uh blanking on the on the name of it john this is <laughs> this is this is ridiculous uh starman ah starman i have you ever seen it i have not okay so it's i mean it's an 80s movie no no i i, I know what it is yeah i just have never seen it uh yeah it's like uh, jeff bridges is so good in it but yeah, i don't know why it just really touched me <laughs> right yeah what it's been but it just really touched me i really liked it i can i can i say it's my favorite movie i don't know but it's a it's a great movie but it's like a, this movie that a lot of people haven't seen but i uh i really liked it but Man, that's a tough one too. There's so many great movies. What's yours? Oh fuck! I mean, I'm wearing a Goonies t-shirt, so I'll, I'll cop out and say Goonies. But I'm like the worst person to ask that question. Like, you know, I'm I'm single. I'm dating. People ask me that question all the time. They're like, oh, what's your favorite movie? I own over 200 purchased movies on Apple movie apple tv whatever i have like 1500 dvds i see everything i literally see everything so it's like you know it might be the goonies today tomorrow might be the secret you know the what is it the secret life of walter mitty um th there's just so many 500 days of Great. summer there, i mean there, i've seen everything i love most of what i see i'm, I'm i would make a terrible critic <laughs> so would i i'll tell you another movie that i really that i could watch a lot and it's a long movie and people think I'm crazy. Dances with Wolves. I oh, love that movie. Yeah, well, it's cinematically beautiful. I love that movie. Yeah. And then also Minority Report. Oh, yeah. I just watched that, I love that three movie three days ago. Yeah. I love that movie. I love Tom Cruise. A lot of it for me, by the way, is is actors. Like, what actors do I enjoy watching? There's there for for whatever reason, I feel like, and I feel like this is true for a lot of people, but they love watching certain actors mm -hmm. and they can watch that those actor actresses i mean i'm using it. but they love those those the movies that they are in yeah and i love tom cruise man I, I love watching tom cruise i love watching denzel washington i love watch like I, there are a lot of people that there are some there are certain actors i love watching Ditto. and i could watch their movies i completely with you that makes movie watching a, an easy thing to do when it's a person that you're you have a rooting interest in um for sure what's uh what's your favorite food italian nice um you know italian self selfish italian, there yeah. but yeah, I'm, know, I'm I, and i'm not saying this i'm not saying this to butter you up <laughs> no pun intended but uh yeah italian italian's italian's my favorite place nice. uh heavy one do you believe in an afterlife i do nice me too uh that that can lead into a, a heavy conversation but uh, i i'm in complete agreement with you for sure what is the best advice that anyone has ever given you um one of one of the best pieces of advice, the first one that come to mind, is it's a career piece of advice, and I was working as a waiter in Salt Lake City, and I had just gotten, um, I just become qualified to I got Taft Hartley, which means I could join SAG, the mm. union, yeah. Screen Actors Guild, which is a huge step in an actor's career. I didn't understand at the time just how lucky I was, but uh, I was thinking about moving down to LA and pursuing acting full time in LA. And I'd gone, I'd come down to LA with one of my best friends. He's a, I, I teach improv with him now. His name's Lincoln. Uh, Improvwizards.com. If you want to go check out some online improv learning, Lincoln. Go to in the notes below. And uh, yep, yeah, it's in the notes below. So. 
we came down to LA together to check out LA on the drive back up. I'm like, I've got to move to LA. I just had such the strongest feeling, just a, a, a true, I felt it was like a spiritual prompting. Got to move to LA. Single, you know, saying I, I could do it. I could just, I could just uproot and move. So I tell my manager of this restaurant that I was working at, it was a hotel restaurant. And I said, I'm going, I'm going, you know, I got to put in my notice. I'm going to be moving down to LA, pursue acting. And she said, my daughter has gone down there to do, uh, to do something similar. She said, if I could give you one piece of advice, it is do something for your career every day. Hmm. Every day, do something for your career. And for me, the reason why that was such an important piece of advice was because pursuing acting is an extremely self-starting pursuit. Like you, 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 uh, the temptation is to just not do anything and just wait for someone to call you. Sure. But you have to be proactive. And so that for me personally, this is a long time ago, that was a very, very important piece of advice because I, I could take each day and think, okay, have I, you know, okay, if I, have I gone on audition today? Well, that would be something that, but if I haven't, if I didn't have an audition or I didn't have this or that, then I should practice something or I should do something like I should be doing something every day to try to pursue or to further my career. So that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever, best pieces of advice I'd ever gotten career wise. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah. I would piggyback off that. And if you have the ability to do the thing that you love, like even if it's like as a hobby, it's not something, you know, my bio is writer, photographer, podcast host. None of those things pay me any money. Um, <laughs> so it, like, you're a, you're a non-paying hyphenate. I'm a nonprofit are, organization. <laughs> the, uh, um, so if you could do, great. if you could do the things in your free time that like make you happy and fill you up, yeah. like I, I sent out a tweet this morning that, on the days where I have one of these conversations and one of these podcast recordings, I am happy the entire day. I'm going to be on cloud nine the second we hang up off this line. I love doing this so much. It's so great. I get zero monetary benefit from it. But if you can spend excess time in your life, not your nine to five, doing things you love, you should you should do that for sure. That is such a good piece of advice. And by the way, that means, uh, you know, uh, leave a, please leave a comment, rate it. Uh, share it with your friends <laughs> yeah. this episode um, that uh, th there is somebody that uh, my brother knew uh, growing or not growing up but when he was an adult who they every year they tried to learn a new skill mm, love that and I wish I had had the fortitude and mental capacity to do that. But it's like one year learn surfing, one year learn to play the guitar, one year learn basic Spanish, one year learn. And they had been doing it for like a number of years. Man, that's such a good piece of advice. Yeah, like, I that do. would be really cool to try. Funny you mentioned that. I do that during Lent every year. So oh, it, nice. for, for with you know Catholicism, you you give something up every Lent. So for Lent, I do two things. I give something up, and then I take something on. One year, I gave up drinking for forty days. So for those forty days, I became a bartender, which is like the duality is fucking hysterical. Uh, <laughs> one year, I learned the guitar. Another year, I started writing. That's how I started writing for Elite Daily and Thought Catalog and all those places online. Last year, I started a podcast. So it's amazing how these things that over a forty-day period can be, you know, pretty significant. So you started the podcast during Lent. I did. Yeah. 
that's great. Yes, yeah. that's a very similar topic, a very similar type of goal, but it's so great. Yeah. That's great, John. Yeah, no, awesome. I appreciate that. Um, all right, my last question is, what is one recommendation you have for everyone who's listening today, something consumable? Uh, it could be a, a podcast, a book, a movie, a TV show, um, something that you've recently consumed that you would like everyone to uh, check out. Mm. Well, this this is something that's really close to me. This is the first thing that comes to mind. This is, well... It's a shameless plug. I'm going to do a shameless plug here, John. You wouldn't be the first. Plug. <laughs> I hope you're. I hope you're right uh, with doing it. It's not for me. It's for my friends. I talked a little bit about this charity auction that we're doing, um, but if just do a Google search called Save Damien, mm -hmm. D A M I A N. It's my my friends whose son was born with Neiman Picks disease, which is a 100% fatal disease for children, oh. uh, and they die within two to five years. And so, uh, but there are some treatments that are on the horizon that need more funding. So we're doing this auction coming up to try to raise funds for it. Uh, but I would say just Google that. No, Google gonna, Save Damien. We'll link that in the, uh, in the show notes below for sure. Yeah, it, be, please, it's called savedamien.com and, uh, and you can literally help save some kids' lives to try to, because it, kids are being born with this. It's a rare, very rare disease, but one, when a child is born with it, they are going to die, period. Wow. And it's just, it's gut-wrenching. Like, it's gut-wrenching. And I've, I've shed so many tears. I've been in, I've been on Clubhouse. Talk, we've been talking about this because we're doing the auction on Clubhouse at some point. So, um, but, but it's still something that they're, you know, actively trying to raise money for with a foundation that, that works towards accelerating the time frame for these treatments to come to market basically and uh and it's it's just i feel like it's such a worthy thing to participate in in some way shape or form right um but maybe so that's maybe my that's my this isn't a consumable thing but that's maybe my piece of advice is find something to to participate in where you feel like you actually are where you feel like you're making a difference mm. in, in something. I mean, so, listen, we were uh, strangers an hour ago. I can, you know, I've got this cheesy line where everyone who's on my podcast is now part of my family. So welcome uh, to the Pachuto family, Eric, that, that last two minutes of everything that you just shamelessly plugged, I think couldn't be a better identifier of the kind of person that you are. And uh, man, I, I'm just incredibly thankful for your time and cheese. You're, you're just such a good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that we were, uh, we were able to do this today. Well, likewise, John, and I, I am honored to be considered a member of the Pachuto family because, <laughs> first of all, since I, you know I love Italian, so I love the name. I love that you, I love that you pronounce it correctly. I was, I was a missionary in Italy for two years, so I speak fluent Italian. So Pachuto is like, I love that you, that that you pronounce it correctly instead of people like having a family name and they say, oh, no, it's it's Pachuto. Yeah. Like, like, no, 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 no. It's pronounced Pachuto. So I've always wanted to be a part of an Italian family. I have no Italian in my blood. I've always wanted to be a part well, of an Italian family. You got a really 100% Italian friend who's a big fan of yours. Um, I, will, uh, I will link the Save Damien stuff in the notes below as well, of all your socials and everything. Again, dude, thank you so much for coming on board. I, I really had a great chat with you today and uh, look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Appreciate it, John. Thanks so much, man. Take care.